From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have our Monday news. A lot of great stories and a lot of catching up to do. That's coming up on the Decrypt Daily. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, August 22nd, 2022. Let's start the morning with an email from MakeBeliever slash Jan, who wrote in about Tornado Cash last week in North Korea. Jan said, Hi, Matthew. Has OFEC proven that North Korea's activity on Tornado equaled one-third of Tornado's total activity as a justification yet? This is the only justification I've heard. Perhaps if an entire third of Tornado Cash is being used for Korean money laundering, then yeah, it seems like a prudent knee-jerk reaction from the government to shut that shit down immediately, right? handle the civil rights issue later. If it is really the matter of national security, then I get it. But what I've heard from your podcast, Tornado Cash's code completely obfuscates senders and receivers. So how did OFAC discover that Korea was illegally money laundering in the tomb of one-third total value? That's a mind-bender at hand. Has there been any official statement from OFAC since they unilaterally sanctioned the use of code for U.S. citizens, given dusting pranks and the potential consequences? OFAC Legal has to know that code is free speech by legal precedent, yet distraction action was required. It makes me wonder why. To sum this up, all I can see, or rather not see, are, in quotes, reasons to coin your term. More will be revealed. And so let me go in to answer some of these questions because I think that you are correct, but we're missing a couple of details that actually makes this worse than it is. Okay, so Tornado's illicit activity equals one third of the volume. However, they never said that it was North Korean money laundering equaling one third of the volume just illegal activity or illicit activity. We don't know how much North Korea's activity is. So they said that $7 billion since 2019 has been illegally laundered or moved through Tornado Cash, but they didn't say how much of that was North Korea's. However, they did use a $90 million Harmony hack example that North Korea did move that money through Tornado Cash, but they never gave us an idea of actually how much money North Korea moved through that. Also, the way that Tornado Cash works is you're going to see an entrance and an exit of currency, right, of cryptocurrency in Tornado Cash. So you're going to understand what address puts money into the mixer, and you're going to see what money comes out of the mixer. The thing is, you don't know where that money came from. So basically, if I put a dollar into a $100 bills, right, $100 bills, and you take $1 out, you might not know what dollar that was. Was it the money that I put in there? You just know when a dollar came out. And so it could have been legal or illegal. So that's kind of like how it works. So you know that, say, a North Korea wallet was putting money in there or money was going out to a North Korea wallet. So that's kind of the thing, but you just don't know which money was which. And so you can't just start grabbing money randomly because you think that it might be that money or that cryptocurrency. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like you can see, but you can't see. That's how Tornado Cash works. And that's how you can actually figure out what's going on. Link the wallets to the people. And then you'll figure out who's sending and who's receiving. You just don't know which individual tokens were going to what wallet. And that's, that's the issue. The last thing you said here was that OFAC legal should know that code is free speech by legal precedent. With that said, 
I don't think that we can take legal precedent as the rule anymore. Legal precedent has been being overturned in civil cases and other cases. And so I think that legal precedent might be not something we should be looking at when we say, hey, don't worry, this is already settled. This is freedom of speech. I think we need to be very vigilant in a very active, proactive way because precedent, as I've seen before and recently in other cases, just because it's precedent doesn't mean it's going to hold. I hope that answers some questions. I think this is a great conversation and a great debate. Let me know what you think. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 9.51 a.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. We are pretty much down in the market. We're at $1 trillion even for total market cap, down 1.9%. Bitcoin sitting at $21,200, down 1% in 24. It's down 12% in 7. Ethereum is down 18% in 7 at $1,560, but it's down 3% in 24. Tether's number 3 and USDC is number 4, and Binance is 5 at 296, up eh, 0.3%, but down about 7% in 7. Running off the top 10, we have BUSD, XRP, Cardano, Solana, and Doge. Uh, Solana is down 22%. In, in seven and so is cardano so hey we're having a pretty big pullback but we did have a little bit of a rally we're still above like i said one trillion dollars so that's good our btc dominance is 40.3 and our f is 18.9 and now it's time for coin of the day so i told you i'm going to change the format for coin of the day and we're going to look at avalanche this week or avalanche i can tell you right now looking at avalanche they were sponsors of the show for some uh content or some commercials here for a while and they were really picky of how you said it if i said avalanche they're pissed if i said avalanche they're happy that's a full name if i said avix they're pissed but if i said avox they're okay <laughs> it's like it's really it was really weird back and forth they're like you're not saying it right you're not saying it right they're really trying to create how to say a word that is kind of vague avax how do you say it? avax 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 it's anyway Anyway, they're sitting at number 15 on CoinMarketCap. Their price is $22.09. They're down 3.2% in 24. Their current market cap is $6.2 billion. Fully diluted is $15.9 billion. 40% of Avox is in circulation. Their all-time high was $146.22. It's down 85% since then. That was since nine months ago. And its all-time low was two years ago on December 31st, 2020 at $2.79. It's up 700% since then. It's top 15 coins, so you can buy it just about everywhere. Say Binance, Coinbase, KuCoin, FTX, Gate, FTX.us, uh, Binance.us, and so on and so forth. So plenty of places to buy Avox. And so what is Avox? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you what it says on CoinMarketCap, and then on Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going to deep dive into it because I really want to know who the Ethereum killer is. Is this an Ethereum killer, especially since we're going to be doing the merge and proof of stake? And they're saying that the new ETH is going to be around 100 transactions per second because they're touting around 6,500 transactions per second. And so is it really? Is it going to be able to keep up? I'm not too sure. So I really want to look at this to see how it compares to Ethereum 2.0 and what we expect from that. And if it actually is going to be able to keep up. Or is this just a flash in the pan that we're, they're trying to capitalize off of ETH's deficiencies? And now that ETH might be not having those deficiencies anymore, do they still have a product fit? Do they still have a market fit? Anyway, let's see here. So Avalanche is a layer one blockchain that functions as a platform or decentralized application and custom blockchain network. 
This is one of S rivals aiming to unseat Ethereum as the most popular blockchain for smart contracts. It aims to do this by having a higher TPS or 6,500 transactions per second while not compromising scalability. This is made possible by Avalanche's unique architecture. The Avalanche network consists of three individual blockchains, Exchange, C Chain, and P Chain. Each chain has a distinct purpose, which is radically different from the approach of Bitcoin and Ethereum, namely having all nodes to validate all transactions. Avalanche blockchains even use different consensus mechanisms based on their use case. And so Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to go deeper into this about these different chains. The X chain, or the exchange chain, the P chain, the platform chain, or the C chain, the contract chain. Is this going to be needed when we have F 2.0? We'll find out. Anyway, that's Avalanche, ranked number 15 on CoinMarketCap, ticker AVAX. Its price today is $22.09. Moving into today's headlines. In a statement on Monday, the Australian Treasury announced a multi-step plan to establish a crypto regulatory framework that it claims will be more thorough and better informed than previously established anywhere else in the world. They're going to do this by token mapping, and token mapping will allow officials to view and evaluate nuanced trends in Australia's crypto markets to best identify how crypto assets and related services should be regulated. Today's statement from Jim Chalmers, Australia's treasurer, emphasized the importance of comprehensively understanding crypto markets before drafting regulations. FTX is absolutely killing it. FTX saw its revenue soar more than 1,000% from $89 million to $1.02 billion in 2021. And this is supposedly according to leaked internal documents, which is not leaked, obviously. You're not just going to leak these documents. Or nobody's going to be leaking their documents in FTX. These were given to CNBC. This is what I assume, but whatever. So FTX has a recorded trading volume, a 24-hour trading volume, of $1.5 billion, which makes it now the third largest crypto exchange behind Binance and Coinbase. The revenue breakdown shows a 1,850% increase in operating income from $14 million to $272 million a year. First of all, that's a hell of a ramp up, and I can't believe that they were operating before on $14 million a year. That was lean. FTX also brought in $388 million in net income, a whopping 2,100% increase from the $17 million recorded a year before. Again, massive numbers. They also claim that they have $2.5 billion cash on hand at the end of 2021, with a profit margin of 27%. Sam Bankman-Fried just stacking papers. This is a very interesting report from Galaxy Digital, and they suggest that the major NFT projects might have misled buyers about what they're getting when it comes to the supposed IP rights. Released on Friday, the report called A Survey of NFT Licenses, Facts and Fictions. It examines the latest NFT projects today based on implied market value, particularly in regards to the rights that they claim to bestow to their hodlers. The report concludes that, in fact, a vast majority of NFTs convey zero intellectual property ownership to their owners and highlights two projects in particular. And this report believes that they have falsely marketed IP rights to buyers of the Bored Ape Yacht Club and Moonbirds. So the report says that Kevin Rose's Web3 startup Proof launched a project earlier this year and wrote on the Moonbirds website that you own the IP. However, Proof can unilaterally change the terms of its license, and it actually did so. And it's further proof that Moonbird's NFT holders do not, in fact, own the IP, says the report. The report is stating that this is an egregious case of discrepancy between marketing materials and the stated licenses. So, is this more shady crypto business? Is this just marketing 
and you have to read the fine print, should people know better or are they actually just duping you? What do you think? Matthew on Decrypt.co. Obviously, we need to read more into this. But if this is true, I feel that people have been duped. There are reports that FTX is allegedly freezing the accounts of customers who use Aztec's services. Now you're thinking, what is Aztec? Well, Aztec Network is a privacy and scaling tool on Ethereum. And Aztec tweeted that we are aware of reports that FTX users or FTX is warning users not to interact with Aztec. Well, SPS responded to the uproar on Twitter by suggesting that the reports of these account freezes have been garbled. He tweeted this, to be clear, this is getting garbled. We are constantly monitoring transactions for AML compliance. And by the way, AML is anti-money laundering. And do enhance due diligence on certain transactions. But that does not mean that any accounts were frozen. Meanwhile, Aztec made clear in a post today that it does not intend to sacrifice user privacy to prevent the illicit use of its services. User security, they say, is a key privacy benefit. If our network is used to harm others, we failed in our mission. We have more stablecoin drama. The Huobi's stablecoin HUSD, which I didn't know existed until now, regains its dollar peg after tumbling roughly 10%. This is not an algorithmic stablecoin or anything else crazy. It's actually backed by dollar reserves, according to the issuer Stable Universal. So how did HUSD slip then? Well, HUSD's Twitter account shared on Friday. Recently, we had made the decision to close several accounts and specific reasons to comply with legal requirements, which included some market maker accounts. Due to the time difference in banking hours, this resulted in a short-term liquidity problem that has since been resolved. HUSD recovered its peg within 24 hours, said Huobi. Which is very interesting. Let's see if this is actually the truth. <laughs> I've always taken everything with a grain of salt with this market, with this uh, space, if you will. But it also highlights a problem that maybe nobody actually thought about before, which seems a very easy fix. And finally, if you guys remember, as you remember, on August 8th, Huddlenot tweeted that it would freeze withdrawals, deposits, and token swaps on the platform, stating that this difficult decision was taken for us to focus on stabilizing our liquidity and preserving assets while we work to find the best way to protect our users' long-term interests. Well, today, they also announced that they're cutting 80% of its staff, which equals roughly 40 people, to reduce their company's expenditures. The remaining employees were necessary for current operations. I mean, just thinking about that, if you are the remaining employees that are necessary for the company's operations, you have major leverage over your salaries, your time, and your work, you know, just your work culture. I don't know. They should probably leverage this and to make sure that they're getting some of the, some raises to make sure they're sticking around. And they also should be putting CVs out there really quick to make sure that they have jobs lined up because it doesn't seem like this is going to last for long. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.